Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Wasn't this exciting to get to celebrate the life change, the stories that God's been doing around here. We're so excited, and thank you. I just want to thank you guys for inviting friends and family and for people here at the church because that is where these stories come from. It's from you stepping out of your comfort zone and inviting someone and, and uh, trusting that God's going to do something. And he does, and it's beautiful to see how their lives are getting started in the faith, and we get to now help them as they grow in that. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is just what is that next step for us in terms of generosity to our community? This Big Give series that we're in, it's just a little mini-series, just a couple of weeks long. We kicked off last weekend. It's really all about us learning to bless our community, coming together and doing corporately what we could never do individually. We, we can do way more, in effect, way more good change in our community as we come together and obey God corporately. And that's what this is about. And really, the Big Give is a celebration of generosity. It's an initiative to begin to serve and to pray and to give together and to be able to do this for those around us. And we talked a little bit about the first to serve and pray last week, and I asked you to pray. Part of what you're praying for was your <clears throat> give for this weekend, to be able to give, and I'll talk more about that at the end of the message. <clears throat> Pardon me. But really, the philosophy, if you will, scripturally behind the big give is that all people matter to God, whether God matters to them or not, right? This is the way that Jesus loved people that he loved them indiscriminately of whether or not they were obeying him, they believed in him, that they loved him. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Now, he always calls people beyond that place and to come closer to him and to trust him more. And Jesus was really the first one ever to teach this idea. It's a big idea that changed the world and continues to change the world every day. Everybody matters to God. Everybody matters to God. And this is such a powerful thing that um, if we begin to live this out, really embody this and believe this and just begin to look for ways, especially going into Thanksgiving, Christmas, this, these next month and a half, et cetera, uh, it is an incredible opportunity to show this kind of love to those around us. And, and really it's a way of embracing contentment in a life that is bent on discontentment. Especially this time of the year, I think is probably one of the most discontented times of the year. Uh, I don't know if Leslie and I are the only ones, but anybody else here just being inundated with catalogs of all sorts? Are you getting any catalogs in the mail? Okay, one little man over here and me. Okay, I guess that's <laughs> everybody else. We're getting the catalogs, but nobody else is. Um, Yes, it is kind of crazy. I remember taking out the recycling recently going, my gosh, is the whole thing full of catalogs? Like, it's really heavy. There's a lot of catalogs coming out. And you're probably getting inundated with 
emails and social media and all these crazy deals and more percentage off than you've ever seen before. And why is that? Well, in the next seven days, we got Black Friday and Cyber Monday, right? This is when everybody seems to do shopping, Christmas shopping or personal shopping. It's like just shopping. We're doing a lot of that right now. And when all of these things are shoved in front of you of like, look what else, look what else, look what else. Here's all the newest and the greatest, and here's the latest of uh, everything. It is really hard to maintain contentment, isn't it? <clears throat> and I really have to hand it to the marketers, the advertisers these days, they're genius. Have you noticed like when you go to buy something online, maybe you have seen some of these, these statements that just gets you to think, right? It's just a suggestion, but here, are, here they are. You may also like, and I'm like, how did they know? Yes, I do also like that, yeah. What else might I like? You know, they, they keep telling me. Related to the items that you have viewed, I didn't even know that existed, thank you. Now I know, and I'm gonna want that too, right? And then the last one's customers who bought this product, also bought, frequently bought together, and I'm like, well, I'm not crazy. Of course, I'm going to buy both of those, you know, like, you know, and it's funny how these suggestions tend to make us, you know, kind of extend ourselves a little bit further. <clears throat> and you didn't even know it. But now with the suggestion out there of like, I wasn't even aware that existed. And now that I'm aware of it, I, it eats at me a little bit like, yeah, maybe I need one of those. Maybe it would be better if I had that than the one I have right now. And I don't know about you, but I tend to kind of like, after I'm looked at catalogs and online and do a little bit of shopping, and it's really easy to say, gosh, my clothes need to be updated and my cars could be updated and all our furnishings, you know, like I'm almost embarrassed to go in public with this stuff now. And, you know, like, you know, and you should too, right? And we, we should all feel that way. And that's kind of the feeling sometimes we can get from these advertisements, but it is important for us to make sure we get a, a proper mental uh, approach to this. And let's talk about this a little bit. See, we're usually okay with what we have until we become aware of what else we don't have, right? And, and, and so awareness is the problem. Awareness is what fuels discontentment. It's a wing aware of. And you know, you know this already, but you can fill your day with becoming more aware of all the other things that you don't have or you can't do right now. And it's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? And the reason I can say that this is true is because, think about it for a minute, just having more money and more stuff doesn't eliminate the problem of discontentment, does it? Not at all. It doesn't even diminish it. It doesn't even bring it down a little bit. If anything, it does the opposite. It grows. It does like a lot of appetites. When you feed the appetite, it gets bigger. And when you feed this appetite of discontentment, it definitely gets bigger. It gets bigger and bigger. So how do we tame this beast? How do we get this under control? Because as it gets bigger and bigger, we get less and less contentment. We get less and less peace and joy. And what does it do? It drives us into greater debt, more consumer debt. It makes us have less and less financial margin, less and less savings, less and less opportunity 
to be able to be generous and to give to other people. And it, it gets us cornered. It robs us of some of the greatest blessings of this life. So how do we handle this better? How do we get on top of this? How do we get over this? It's such an important thing because I truly believe discontentment, <clears throat> pardon me, is the number one thing that keeps us from growing into a more generous life. It is one of the things that is, it feels so acceptable. Thank you so much. I needed that. Thank you, sweetie. There's a reason why I married that woman. Golly. She's brilliant. All right, thank you. I needed a drink of water. Um, so this is, this, is the, this is where we are right now. It's being able to, how do we manage that discontentment? How do we move forward? How do we get better at this? <clears throat> so today we're going to shift our focus to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and this is such a cool letter because this is the Apostle Paul taking one of his protégés, Timothy, and this young pastor, sending him to the city of Ephesus, <clears throat> where the people there are under all kinds of misconceptions. They are culturally been bought into some lies that are hijacking and messing up their lives. That I think you'll find that the um, Ephesian people are very much like the American people of today, like us. They, they fall to the same misconceptions. So I want us to take a look at what did Paul say, and what did he say not only to Timothy, but what did he say to Timothy to tell the Ephesians of how to get past this discontentment. Let's take a look at this, <clears throat> verse 6. Here's how he begins in verse 6. <clears throat> he says, but godliness with, let's say it together, with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Now, we defined this godliness last week. We kind of unpacked this whole chapter, or part of this chapter, chapter 5 of Matthew, uh, where <clears throat> Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> he begins to help us understand that um, godliness is really God-likeness. And God-likeness, to be like God, as Jesus unpacks as he explains this further, godliness is simply learning how to love and to give to other people who either will not or cannot return the favor. They can't love us or give to us back. They either refuse to or they just can't. They don't have the resources. They don't have what you have. You've been blessed. And this is what God likes. And contentment is simply just saying, I'm fine with what I have. And he says, and when you put those two together... It is like the most valuable, most powerful, <clears throat> the greatest way that you can live as a human being and as a follower of Jesus Christ and a child of God. He's saying this will cause great breakthrough for your life. And then he goes on to say, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing from it. When you leave not to get morbid, but he's kind of getting us to think about when you're gone from this planet, right? When you're gone, when I'm gone, we're all going to have our last day on planet earth. When we leave, we take nothing with us. We leave everything here. Now, it's kind of funny that someone would have to tell us this, but it is still to this day a, a sobering reminder that there is a time coming where we won't be here anymore. And the question is, besides your stuff, what else are you going to leave behind? Besides your stuff, I hate to burst your bubble, nobody cares about your stuff, right? Only you do. 
I don't know how many people I have talked to that have gone and cleared out. It's horrible. It's heartbreaking. Cleared out a grandparent's home, their parents' home, because they have passed away, and I don't know what to do with all this stuff that they felt was so invaluable. <laughs> their collections of all these things, right? I'm not saying it's evil to collect things. I'm just saying that sometimes we put the emphasis on the wrong things. And he's basically saying, listen, was there great gain? Was there great value by you being here? Is there something beyond just your consumption and your hoarding that happens while you're here? Because that is the tendency for us, especially as Americans, to do this, to have more than we need, and we still don't have enough to have money stacked up in the bank and still not content. I know that's not everybody's problem, but there are those who are just, it's just constantly a need and a desire for more. And there's a question that we need to be asking. What will they talk about when you're gone? When they talk about you? What will they talk about when I'm gone? Will they talk about me? You and I get to write that story right now. Are you aware of that? With our decisions with our choices to give or hold, withhold, we write that story. We're giving people the content that we will be remembered for. It's so important. This is what he's talking about here. <clears throat> and the next part, the apostle says this. He says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now, Paul is saying something that's very, feels like very anti-American, right? And he's like, just the bare necessities. I'm good. I just need to cover the necessities. He's talking about him here. And if you think about it, the Apostle Paul, he never was a wealthy man. He never had a lot of material possessions at all. But we got to ask the question, what did the Apostle Paul leave behind? What did he leave behind? Wasn't a wealthy man. He didn't leave behind any material possessions. He didn't leave behind, well, I set up a, you know, a fund that will pay for the first church. Now, he didn't do that. Here's what he did. He left behind a series of letters that makes up most of our New Testament, a big chunk of it anyway. And these letters wound up shaping Western culture into the rest of the world for the next two millennia that we are still living in right now. He wrote theology inspired by God's Spirit that upended the world-dominant power of his day, the Roman Empire. He did that. God did it through him. Here's this guy that had no leverage, had no real influence, no real clout, no money, no resources, no nothing. He trusted God, and God changed the world through his life. So he knows what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, listen to me, because most people don't, and most people miss this, and it's only when they get to the end of their life going, I should have listened. I should have changed my whole approach and what I focused on and what I was all about. <clears throat> And then he goes on to say this. He says, those who want to get rich, want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap. <clears throat> now think about that phrase right there, want to get rich. Why would anybody want to get rich? It's not just so that you have stacks of money around. It's, it's what the money promises that it will do for you. It's what, in, in hopes of what the money can do. If we didn't have the money, we can't do. Like the money makes that possible. And I understand we all have to pay bills and feed ourselves, etc. But he's talking about something deeper, a deeper level of hope and trust that we place upon money that winds up 
infecting our heart and hurting us in the long run. He's saying this is one of those things that it, it is a temptation. It is a trap. And what does that trap look like? How do we know if we're falling to the trap? Well, that's why it's a trap. It's hard to see sometimes. And, and most people think, I'll never fall to that trap. The love of, I don't, I'm not in love with money. I don't, that's not how I live. That's not my value system. But that's what makes it so insidious. It happens without us even realizing. It's not a, necessarily a conscious decision. You wake up one morning and you say, okay, now I'm going to live for money, right? And stuff and, and success, and it's going to be all about my career, and it's going to be all about... Now, maybe you did do that, <laughs> but most people, it doesn't work like that. He's saying, and that's what makes it a temptation and a trap. And here's what he goes on this the rest of that verse. He says, the temptation and trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This love of money winds up plunging us into ruin and destruction because it creates all kinds of other harmful desires. That I need this, I need this, I need this. Those desires lead us to make choices that wind up plunging us into debt over our ears credit card debt, consumer debt, all kinds of debt. And it winds up causing us to have, plunges us into places where we have little to no margin in our finances. We have little to no margin in our, our, our savings. We have almost no savings, which equates into we have little to no generosity. We can't really give. We don't feel like we can give because we don't have that much. And which means also that we don't have we have little to no joy and little to no confidence and contentment in the Lord and peace in the Lord. But you know what we have a lot of? We have a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. So we start medicating that, and that's what most of America is doing right now. It's a living in the stress, and we don't even know how to pinpoint where is this coming from. And for many people, whether they call it money, success, whether they call it more, more of something, right? It's this discontent that if I could just have this, if I could just have more of whatever, if I could just have another person to love, if I could just have a, it's that discontent that I'm not okay now and I need to have in order to be satisfied. <clears throat> Discontentment is dangerous. This is Paul's point. He's saying, be careful because it will create all kinds of harmful desires that will plunge you into ruin and destruction. And next he says, for the love of money, so this is another way of want to get rich, now he's talking about the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evil. Now maybe you've heard this phrase before. Let me just clarify, he's not saying that money's evil, he's saying the love of, the pursuit of, the desire for more of, money is the root, is a root, rather, is a root, and not the only one, but a root of all kinds of evil. It's insidious, and part of the reason why it is evil is because it is so hard to see in the mirror. It's very hard to see in that guy or girl in the mirror that, yeah, You've fallen in love with money and what it can promise. You've fallen in love with success. You've fallen in love with your stuff. You've fallen in love with things, stuff that God says, beware, 
because your default setting as a human being is to chase those things that will never, ever, ever satisfy your soul. Now, how do we begin to detect whether that's happened to us or not? I think we need to ask some really tough and heart and soul level probing questions and then just be quiet. Ask some people in your life. Maybe start by just thinking about this right now. Have you demoted or, or deprioritized who have you or what have you deprioritized in your life in order to pursue wealth, success, or stuff? I, I want to challenge you right now to ask your spouse if you're married. Ask your kids if you've got them, if they're old enough to answer a question like this, and then just listen. Don't try to talk about their answer. Don't try to tell them why they're wrong. Just listen. Listen to what they're saying. Don't try to invalidate their experience because they're just telling you how they feel. If you really want to know and you ask them who or what gets prioritized behind my money, my success, my career, my stuff, and listen. Listen to what they say because they may open a window that you cannot see in yourself, but it is true of you. And even if you don't think it's true, it is true for them, and it needs to be addressed. Would you be willing, and if you don't have a spouse, you don't have a child, if you're single, ask one of your best friends, somebody who'll be honest with you. Ask them that question. It's so important that we know, that we'd be aware of, is this something I'm doing right now? Am I infecting and um, you know, malfunctioning what God is trying to do in my life? The apostle goes on to say, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The people who go down this road, they will wind up with many griefs. They're hurting. They're, they're, they're in pain. It has not served them well. Even those who on the outside look like they got it all, man. They got all the money. They got all the stuff. They are the envy of everybody who's looking in on their life but they are pierced with many griefs. But because it is a trap, because there is a temptation here that tends to blind us, they will, and we all do this, we will tend to blame someone else or God for those griefs. It's their fault. And we can't see clearly the fact that if we traced it back, if we were just open our mind a little bit, we would realize all these griefs have come from our own choices. It, they were done by our own making. We have done this to ourselves. And the best course of action is to confess that to God, repent, turn from it, and turn back to Him. I love this where Paul saying, he says, but you, he's talking now directly to Timothy. He's saying, you, man of God, flee from all this. All this what? Of this constant consuming of more. Because just like in the first century, we have it in the 21st century. Is that this feeling of, if I could just have, if I could just get, if I could just, oh, that would, that would solve my problems, man. That would fix. That's the deception. That's the trap, he's saying. Watch out. He says, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You see, he's giving us the secret to contentment right here. He's saying contentment is found by redirecting the pursuits of your life. 
of being willing to say, it's not going to be found in me getting more and more and more and more and more and more. It, that's a dead end. That's not going to be found there. It's coming back to the pursuit of righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness and find out what those mean before God, to seek those before Him. And He will radically change the trajectory of your life. Now, the Apostle, he, uh, the Apostle Paul now tells him a little bit later in the letter, uh, starting with verse 17, he says, now, I want you to talk specifically to those people who back then would have been considered rich, right? These are people who have more than enough. They have some margin in their life. They're not literally living hand to mouth, which most people back then did. They were very poor. He says, those people who have any margin at all, right? They were considered rich. And, and, and by the way, in this country, like, it's, it's insane how we don't think, compared to the world that we live in, that we're wealthy because we're surrounded by a lot of wealthy people. And we, even the people we don't think are wealthy, when you compare them to the rest of the world, this globe that we live on, they're very wealthy. Matter of fact, the last I looked, if you made above like $32,000 combined income a year, you were in the top 1% of wage earners on planet Earth. That, that blows our mind in this country because we live in this country. We're blessed. But here's what Paul says. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, not just in your neighborhood or in your country or in your state, in the world. He says, not to be what? Not to be rich? No, he didn't say that. He says not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Because that's the tendency. He says, because there's a tendency, even with rich people, to want and consume more and to stack up more. I need a little more savings. I need a little bit more in the bank. I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. And we hoard and we consume and we hold back because why? We are placing our trust, our hope, we're putting the weight of our faith, if you will, on our money. And he's saying, don't do that. We, we are treating like, we're treating the money and the stuff, the success and the wealth like it is a functional savior. This is going to fix me. This will fix my problems. If I can just have a little more, I'll, I'll, it'll fix it. It'll, it'll cure. It'll, it, will, it will take care of all the stuff that's irritating me right now. He said, don't do that. That will, that will infect your heart. It will hurt you. He says, here's why. Because it is so uncertain. That stuff could be gone tomorrow. And my goodness, we live in a world that proves that to us all the time. <laughs> that things could change on a dime, right? He says, which is so uncertain. But instead of doing that, let's shift our focus. Let's shift our focus. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It doesn't matter how much money you have, the opportunities you've been given. It doesn't matter how much talent that you have, anybody can do this. He, he's, he's making it accessible for everybody, right? And then he, he says this, the next part of the verse. He says, command them to do good. Now he's saying, again, here's how you live this out in your community, in your neighborhood. This is how you live this out in the Brazos Valley, how you do this in Bryan College Station. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. To do good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Isn't that exactly what we teach our kids to do when they're fighting over a toy? 
hey, share, right? What's funny is we think, oh, as adults, we don't struggle with that. And God would say, I beg to differ. Because some of you, they're 40 years old. God's saying, you need to learn how to share. <laughs> some of you that are 50 years old, you need to learn how to share. You're 35. You need to learn how to be rich in good deeds and generous and know how to bless other people because therein lies the greatest blessing in life. He says, in other words, tell those who aren't in, in uh, pardon me, tell those who aren't in need to develop a lifestyle that, yeah, that aren't in need, develop a lifestyle of generosity. <laughs> they would be willing to live this life of generosity, to give to other people to be a blessing to other people. And then I love this last part. He says, and in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourselves in heaven. Pardon me, foundation, firm foundation in the coming age, which he's talking about heaven here. He says, you will lay up for yourself treasure. Jesus said it this way. If you will you, you, you be rich towards God, you will lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. In other words, there's a conversion rate of taking what is earthly and it becomes infinitely more valuable in heaven. And Paul here is trying to help us also to shift our mindset that the infinite kingdom of God is where we place our hope and our trust and our faith, not in this world, but in that. And that world has already started coming. Jesus says the kingdom of God has come it's coming, but not fully yet. And this old, broken, sinful world of ours is passing away, but not fully yet. And he's saying, be so careful that you don't live for the world that's passing away at the expense of the one that will last forever. He's saying, lay up for yourself treasure. If you'll be generous, if you'll learn to be giving, if you'll learn how to share, when you do that, you lay up a firm foundation. They, they uh, treasure for themselves and a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. And that's the best part right there. That this true life, you'll truly start to live. The promise the false promise that money, stuff, success, and things, and more and more seems to promise to us that it's going to fix us, it's going to give us true life. We'll finally start living. It'll be great. He's saying, you want to know the secret? True life is found in generosity and giving away. This is true life. Life becomes truly life when it is given away. It becomes so powerful. And circling back to where we started, godliness with contentment is, let's say it together, is great gain. It's great gain for you. It is the best way to live. And God wants to bless you in that, to learn how to be that kind of a generous person. You see, the value of a life is always determined by how much of it is given away. I can't help but remember back in February 6, 2018, one of my dear friends, Ben Betcher, who, by the way, was like a founding member of this church, he and his wife, Cindy, and Cindy still goes here, he passed away. And Ben had an architectural firm over in Brenham and built buildings all over the state of Texas, by all accounts, had been very successful in what he, de what he did, and had a beautiful home. But guess what? When we came, to came together to celebrate his life, we didn't talk about his financial success or his business success or his beautiful house. 
We talked about how generous Ben was, how he was a giver, and he was always caring about other people. He's always taking care of other people. It was a blessing. And, and in our early days here at Brazos Fellowship, there's no way to know for sure, but I, I know that it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of architectural services that he gave our church free of charge. He just, that kind of guy, he just gave and gave. He was just so generous. You see, the value of a life is never determined by how much was accumulated or consumed. Nobody's going to talk about your car collection or what else ever you collected. <laughs> They're going to talk about what you gave. When we come together and we talk about your life, when I'm gone, when you're gone, that's, what the, what's, that's what's remembered. And that, because that is what reflects the Son of God. That is what lays up treasure in heaven. And this is what Paul is trying to help us to see, that discontentment diminishes, our, um, diminishes when we turn our attention from what we want to what others need. We start to focus on how can I be a blessing? I have been blessed to be a blessing. How can I be rich in good deeds, live a generous life, and share with other people? And that's what this big give is all about. Now, the big give goal, I shared this last week, big give goal is not a dollar amount. It's really a percentage amount. Our big give goal is just that 100% of our adults would say, I'll give something. I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to learn how to begin to give. And, and our promise to you is that we're going to give 100% of what is earmarked big give away outside of the house here at Brazos Fellowship, that we want to be a blessing to our community. Now, you may be wondering, well, how much are you asking people to give? We just picked a random number of an average item at Walmart or Target of $39.95, all right, per adult. Now, you give what God tells you to do. Some of you may look at that and say, 40 bucks? I don't know if I could give 40 bucks. Well, can you give four bucks? Can you give 10? Can you give $20 to help somebody else out? Now, some of you may look at it and go, 40 bucks, is that all? You clearly need to give a lot more, okay? Maybe you need to move the decimal point over one or maybe two, two times. This isn't for me. We're giving this away, right? I just want you to be generous. I want you to be blessed because it is in giving that we receive from the Lord. It's, it's awesome. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. Get out your phones for just a second because here's a little action step. This is not you committing you to anything. We just want to send you a link so that you can do this, right? It's just text the word big give to 97000. We're going to send you a link that you can give. You, any dollar amount that God has put on your heart, I asked you to begin to pray last week about what God would want you to do as a couple, as a family, as an individual, a single. It doesn't matter. What does God want you to do? And she would be willing to do it. And here, uh, we talked about Care Portal last week. Uh, Care Portal is this incredible database where CPS workers that work with foster families and just biological families that are in need across the Brazos Valley upload those needs so that we can meet them. And uh, Care Portal, we, we um, told you about it on our website. If you go to brazosfellowship.com and click on Big Give, it'll show you both a place to give and also how you can set up your own Care Portal access point, your own account. So here's where our giving is going to go. It's these organizations that are connected to Care Portal. It's BCS Together, which is an incredible ministry run by a family out of Brazos Fellowship that services all of the foster system here in the Brazos Valley, all of the 
families that are connected to foster care. The next one is Unlimited Potential, which is another ministry that really uh, helps the kids that are aging out of foster care to be able to help them get started in life, help them get, find jobs, places to live, etc. We all needed somebody to help us, give us an opportunity, a shot when we were first starting out, and that's what they do. And then last is Unbound, which is a ministry that is working to stop human trafficking in the state of Texas, but more importantly, right here in the Brazos Valley in this part of central Texas. Now, it may shock you to know that there is over 200,000 last count of people that uh, are thought to be trafficked in this state every single year. And it's happening right here in the Brazos Valley. It may be shocking to you to know that, but we need to be able to stand up and say, not in our neighborhood, not in our backyard. We're not going to let this happen here. We're going to fight to stop it. And that's what these folks are doing in a valiant, amazing way. And we're getting to partner with some of the most vulnerable and, and um, you know, people who are in a place of needing that we could help bless. And that's what we're all about in this. You see, in the first century, the followers of Jesus Christ took what Paul said seriously because Paul took what Jesus said seriously and they began to apply it with this no strings attached type generosity and guess what happened? They turned the world upside down because they became known for that kind of generosity. What if, think, just imagine for a moment, what if the 21st century church of Jesus Christ followers became known for that kind of generosity? Let's make sure that Brazos Fellowship becomes known for that kind of generosity. Let our church be known. And that's all of us coming together that we individually say, I'm going to obey Jesus. But when we come together and corporately all obey him together, great things can happen. We can do so much more together. And I want to ask you if you'd be willing to take that action step of texting Big Give to 97000. Or you can just go to our website, and right there on the website, there's a button that you can just click on that says Big Give, and you can get all of the information you need and be able to give right there. We just ask that you would do that, be willing to do that. Or you can drop a check today in the silver uh, receptacle the way out. So we just ask that you would be willing to be open to do that. Now, some of you today, God may be knocking on your heart and saying, I want you to give your life to me today. And in our prayer, I'm asking you that you would be willing to surrender yourself to God and ask him to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life right now. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.